0: Today's message is going to come
1: to you from one of the more familiar uh, passages or stories in the Bible. And for those of you who think that's a good thing, I have found in my experience, whenever you preach a familiar story, it's actually a bad thing. Because the more you know a story, the more you miss. People know that. The more you know a story, the more you miss. Because... Because you know it and you know how it's going to turn out. And so you miss the details. But sometimes there's power in the details. So for example, you know the story of David and the giant and Goliath. And, you know, David's got a rock and he throws the rock and he knocks out the giant in one stone. And everybody reads that story and says, thank God. Wow, I need faith like David who's able to kill the giant in one stone. But if you read it fast, you miss the detail that he picked up five stones. As if to say that faith is not believing you're going to get it done in the first try. Faith is saying that giant's going down, maybe on stone one, maybe on stone two, maybe on stone three. I'm not sure, but that giant's going down. Like, you can't miss the details. Like, a lot of times we get caught up in the story of Jesus Christ and we know how it ends. Like, he dies and he resurrects three days later, like every time. No matter how many times you open up your Bible, no matter how many different versions you read it in, he dies and he gets resurrected and he resurrects himself three days later. That's great, but if you, if you know that Jesus dies and you've been known that, you might miss the detail. That he died for you. Which changes the whole story from history to a love story. When you know that Jesus has died for you. Sometimes we get over familiar with the people in our lives and we miss the blessing that they are in our lives because we get so used to them, right? And so we got a woman that we've been married to for 10 years and we're like, you know, she's just my wife. But, but, but you forget the fact that she married you. And she didn't have to. Most women would not have. But she did, and you can't miss it, and sometimes you have those children who are running around crying and and using the bathroom, and that's a big deal because they can't use it by themselves, and so you get involved, and there's a mess, and there's a situation, You go, my goodness, kids, kids are crazy. Yeah, but you have kids when other people don't have kids, and so sometimes familiarity can cause you to miss it, and I don't want you to miss what's in this story, so tell the person next to you, don't miss it. That's what this sermon series has been about. We don't want you to miss God's plan for your life. We don't want you to make the wrong decision and miss it. All right. But today we're going to tackle the question. Today we're going to ask the question. You know, the last three weeks we've been talking, don't miss it. Don't miss it. This is how you build a good decision. This is how you surrender. This is God's will. This is God's direction. This is how you do it. But here's the question I want to ask today. It's the question people have been asking me throughout the sermon series. And I keep telling them, just come come to week four, come to week four. I wish I had to set it because they just came to week four. But but as so I see you, and so thank you for coming. But you shouldn't have taken me so literally. And so uh, here, here's the question that we're going to ask today. Hey, don't miss it, don't miss it, don't miss it. Here's the question. Well, what if I already have? What if I already have? Because I don't know about you, but I could have used a message on decisions about 15 years ago before I, before, maybe there's somebody here saying, no, I could have used that message about 15 years ago before I got into that car. I could have used this message 10 years ago before I said, I do. I, mean, I don't talking about married couples right now. You did the right thing if you're married right now and talking to people who may be wondering what if, what would have happened if I hadn't got divorced? Is my life ruined? Now, what would have happened if I would have waited just a couple of more years to have that baby? What would have my life been like? What would would have my life been like if I had chose to have that baby? I think a lot of times regret and wonder is real. And if we're honest with ourselves, honest with ourselves, you can have the best life ever right now. If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we look back and we wonder, did I miss it? Did I make a choice way back when? That now has forever altered the future. That has forever altered my destiny. That has forever altered what God wants to do in my life. And and so today is going to be a message for those who feel like looking back on their past, there's things that they wish they would have said but didn't get to. Or things they wish they would have never said. Maybe there's people in your life you wish you would have held on to. And at the same time, people in your life you wish you would have let go of sooner. Maybe there's places in your life you wish you would have visited or places in your life you wish you would have avoided. Come on, somebody. And you're there thinking, man, what if? How different would life have been? Today is a message for anybody wondering about their missed opportunities. All right? And, and And if I want to tell a story about missed opportunities, there's no more famous story in the Bible than the story of a man named Jonah. Now, I know you know this story, or maybe you don't. If not, you're here for the first time. It's a great story. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, goes like this. It'll be on the screen if you don't have it. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, you gotta understand just how bad of a miss that was. Nineveh was about 500 miles east of, uh, of, of uh, where, 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 Samaria, where Jonah was. Tarshish was 1,500 miles west. That's like God telling you, I want you to start a ministry in Key West. And you're like, absolutely. And you get on a flight to Denver. Like it's that far. Like this man missed it. And, he, and, 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 and his life should be over. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord, away from his purpose, away from the promises, away from the joy. And this should have been the end of his life. But look at verse 4, and I love verse 4. Can we read it? But the Lord. Come on, somebody. Does anybody have a but the Lord in their life? Like my, like, like, like my marriage shouldn't be here but the Lord. My kids shouldn't be here but the Lord. I should be broke right now, but the Lord. I shouldn't even be living in Florida. But the Lord. I remember being so upset at my parents for moving to Florida. I hated Florida. I came from New York. We wore baggy jeans and Michael Jordan jerseys. Came down to Florida, first day of school, everybody was in flip flops and shorts. And looked at my parents, I hate you guys. You ruined my life. But the Lord saved me, actually, looking back on my life. Now, to look at your friends back in the day and you thought at the time when God took them from you, you were losing everything. But now through the glory of Facebook, you think, God, you saved me. God, you saved me. You say, but the Lord hurled the great wind upon the sea. Here's my title of the message today. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The miss, the mess, and the mission. You know, misses can be frustrating. Raise your hand if you ever miss something in your life. Like anybody take public transportation? Anybody ever miss the bus? Now, that's a bad thing if you live in Florida. Okay, like I said, in New York, if you miss the bus to work, you just waited five minutes and the next bus came. You missed the bus in Florida, you're just not going to work. Like, that bus ain't coming until Tuesday. That was the Monday bus and <laughs> you're done and... You're talking about New York. I remember one time my wife and I took a trip to New York. Recently, just a couple months ago, we took a trip to New York. And I wanted to show off, you know, like my New York savvy. And the best way to do that is in the subway. When you're like, let me tell you how to get to where we're going. I got this girl. You get on the N. You go from the N to the R. You get off at Fulton. Then you get on the one and the two. She was over there like, dang, baby. I was like, I know. I'm from New York. And then you know, the accent comes out. It hasn't been there for 20 years. But all of a sudden, I know, girl. What you talking about? Get on that train. So we did it. We got on the train, and it was awesome. And as we got on the train, this is so great because she has a way of, 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 of like humbly making you feel bad. You know, like, like, like she goes on that, but in a nice way. In a nice way. She don't mean to. She's trying to help you. So we're on the train, and I'm not saying nothing, and I think we passed our stop. I don't want to say nothing. I already made a big deal about how much I know. And at that point, you know, you are committed. You just got to buy the lie the whole way sometimes. So she looks at me. She goes, did we just miss our stop? And I'm like, yeah, but, yeah, but. I told her, because I know New York. I said, but, but, this is how it works. You just get off at the next one, and you go on the other side, and you get on that one, and you go back. It's fine. And she's like, oh, cool. But the next one came and went. Turns out we were on the express train that went ten stops before you could get off and get back on the right way, and so misses can be frustrating. Misses can also be fatal. In uh, 1979, Air New Zealand Flight 901 took off to Antarctica. They were going. There were 257 passengers on board, and uh, it was the beginning of what would become airborne tourism. The idea was that the plane would descend from beneath the clouds and hover over this body of water called Ross Sea. And everybody on board would be able to look out their windows and see how awesome and cool Antarctica was. Well, unfortunately, the plane took off and it descended. But what the pilots mistook for white clouds was actually the snow capped mountains of Mountain Erebus on Ross Island. The plane, going however fast planes go, flew head on into the mountain. 257 people died instantly. And when they did the research on the plane to figure out what happened, they found out that the trajectory of the flight was off. Guess by how much? Two degrees. Two degrees separated that plane from the body of water it was supposed to observe and the mountain that it crashed into. Two degrees separated all those people. The difference between a vacation and a funeral, two degrees. And I wonder if there are people in the audience today, people at church today who are thinking that's how God works. That's how life is. You make one bad choice. You go off by two degrees and the rest of your life is thrown off because of that one choice that you made. And if that's you, I I want you to know this message is for you. I want to encourage you because I don't know that God works like that. But it does make sense, doesn't it, right? Trajectory. And I I got this little paper ball to to show you. It makes sense, right, that 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 when I throw this ball, the ball lands there. But that ball landed there because I threw it here, right? There's nothing I can do to change it once it's in the air. Its destination was determined beforehand. So I have a friend of mine who's a young woman who just got pregnant, and we were celebrating with her because she's a friend of ours. We said, man, you're pregnant, congratulations. She wasn't happy. She was nervous. I said, why are you nervous? She said, I'm nervous because when I was a teenager, she told me, she said, I had an abortion. And I'm afraid that's messed it up. I'm afraid God's going to get that back somehow. I'm afraid that one decision has thrown, and it's too late because it happened when I was 17, and now there's nothing I can do about it. That's how trajectory works. I, I get it. It makes sense. So, so if you're somebody like Patrick, Patrick, come on up here, Patrick. So if you're somebody like Patrick, just work with me, Patrick. If you're, if you're somebody like Patrick who, who, who graduated from Harvard Business School, okay, amen, and now you own your own business, okay, and now you own your own business, come here. Yeah, so, you know, you graduate, catch this when I throw it to you. You graduate from Harvard Business School and... Boom, you become a business owner. That's how it works, right? By the way, he's amazing. Uh, he owns a dog training. He is so good at what he does. I don't, I'm a plug plugging or anything. He is so good at training dogs that when he came into my house to train my dog, my dog stopped everything he was doing the moment he walked in the door. He was going crazy. Patrick walked in and he was like. Mm. <laughs> my dog looked at Patrick like, I've heard of you. The legends are true. <laughs> this is great. My, he's never been the same. My dog. He's got saved. Uh, 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 you talk to people like, uh, like, like William. You talk to people like William. William, come on. William gets drafted by the Texas Rangers to play Major League Baseball. Come on. That's one heck of a trajectory. You talk to William, and you know what? You know where that lands? Millionaire. So I'm grateful for William. He's a millionaire, goes to our church. That's awesome. That's the trajectory. That's how it's set. You, you, you get drafted in baseball, boom, you become a millionaire. And that, that decision was already set ahead of time, right? Uh, you get people like Ariel, my, my friend Ariel, come on, Ariel. I'm going up here real quick. You get people like Ariel who, who uh, now the stories are going to change a little bit, who, who grew up in a one-bedroom, not even apartment, just a, a one-bedroom a one, a one space, square footage, you know, 15 square feet. With 11 people coming from Cuba, and and, and you struggle financially all your life, and you file for bankruptcy in 2008, you file for bankruptcy in 2008, you know what? You're living on food stamps. That's the trajectory. That's how it works. You file for bankruptcy. You're an immigrant. You don't got a lot of money. Boom. Food stamps. There's nothing you can do about that. Or you get people like, my mom. Give it up for my mom, y'all. My mom. My mom, you, you, you grow up. You, you grow up in a home of how many uncles and sisters and brothers you have? Twelve. Brothers and sisters with illiterate parents, and you've got to help raise the majority of them, and a lot of them are, are getting into messes and getting into situations, and, and, and you're the only one there. You know what? When you grow up in Brooklyn, New York, in that kind of situation, you get pregnant as a teenager. You become a drug addict. We're working on her. That's so what you do <laughs> Oh, you got to take it to the next level. You become a jerk. That's what you do. Like, the trajectory happens. Listen, and there's nothing you can do about that. There's nothing you can do about that. There's absolutely nothing you can do about that. When I, when, when I decide to make a decision, it's already, there's it's changed. The, the, the destination is already decided because of the decision that you made. And there's absolutely nothing that can change that. That's how it works. Isn't that right, Dylan? Isn't that how it works? That's your cue. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. Nothing. Nothing. And so, and so you got Patrick, you know, or you get right here, you got, you throw it in and there's nothing. There's nothing. What happened? What happened? I don't understand. My mind is blown. The law of physics are breaking down in front of me as we speak. The law of trajectory says that, that where you where you release the destination's already been set. I think that was crazy. That was an angel. We're gonna try it again. We're gonna try it again one more time. Uh, again, I, I think. Uh, uh, try one more time. You ready? Okay. I did forget this one thing though. That every pilot has to take into consideration before they take off. That every hot air balloon pilot has to take off. Uh, that every baseball player has to think before they hit a ball. It's that there is actually one thing that can change the trajectory of an object that's already been set in motion. And it's this thing called wind. Now, if that's not significant to you, that's because you missed verse 4 of Jonah chapter 1. Throw it up. Next one. 3 and 4. 3 and 4. So he paid the fare and went on board to go away with the Natasha, away from the presence of the Lord, but the Lord held a great. Quite literally, Jonah's ship had already sailed. His destiny should have been set. His, his future should have been set. His destruction should have been set. He should have never became the man who we're talking about today, the one who does become great, the one who does save a nation. His, it should have been over for him, but God came in with the wind. And here's the beautiful thing about the wind. The same Hebrew word for wind is also the same Hebrew word for breath. Which is significant because how many people know you can hold your breath. That's why when you go underwater you don't drown. Because you can hold your breath. It was God's choice. God saw Jonah making the wrong decision and he came in and, and saved him from destruction when his destiny should have already been set. I am so grateful God chose to breathe on my life. I'm so grateful that God chose to breathe on my marriage. I'm so grateful that God chose to breathe on my kids. I'm so grateful that God chose to breathe on my finances. Because when God breathes on a situation where you should have ended up is not where you end up when God gets involved. And so, you see, I changed one fact of every one of these persons' lives. Yes, Patrick is a business owner, but he didn't graduate from Harvard Business School. You know where he graduated from? Prison. Now, I never asked him what he did to get there because they didn't want to get shot. (laughs) Graduated from prison. I did a little research. Did you know that 77% of prisoners end up back in prison within five years? They don't even have a statistic for how many end up starting businesses. His life shouldn't have ended up where it ended up. He was on a different trajectory, but God came in with the wind. God came in with the God came in with the grace, and a life that should have ended up here ended up here. I'm gonna come back to you. I, I'm gonna go to this one right here. She really did grow up in a home full of twelve. She really did have an illiterate mother and father. She really did start working at 12 years old or however old before they had child labor laws. And, and she, she did do all that. And she was around drugs. And she was, but you know what? her, and she should have gotten pregnant as a teenager. You know that her first kiss was with her husband? My father? <laughs> Do you know, although she should still be living in the projects of Brooklyn, she celebrated I don't know how many years with the government. She's about to retire this year and get a full pension with the government. She's going to make more money doing nothing than I do preaching. She should have ended up over there. But she didn't because at the last minute, God came in with the wind, with the grace, with the love, with the purpose. I'm not going to let you end up where you should have ended up. I like this guy right here. You guys might not know him. This guy's name is Ariel. I changed a couple of facts about his story, but really just the end. He did grow up with 11 people in a a half of a room separated by a curtain. And he did immigrate from Cuba. And he did file for bankruptcy in 2008. The only thing is he ain't on food stamps right now. The only thing is he runs one of the most successful real estate businesses in Dr. Phillips right now. (laughs) Him and his wife, Joanne. How many people know he should not have ended up there? He should not have, up, but he did. Why? <laughs> God's win, God's grace, God's love, God's favor. When it don't make sense, when everything about who you were is not indicating who you will be, God comes in and changes the will be. He changes it. And, he's, and he won't hate to kill me for saying this. And he's one of the biggest givers of our church. He gives more in two months than I'll ever give in like two years. I share that not to big them up, I share that not, because I share that to say this, when you realize that you are only where you are by the breath of God, it changes the way you give, it changes the way you love, it changes your attitude, it changes the way you worship, it changes how you lift your hands, it changes the way you sing, when you understand that it's by God's grace I am here. Amen? Come on, give it up for them, you guys can have a seat, you guys can have a seat. Not you, you stay. Dylan, you just leave that on the floor. Some of you guys think, well, what about William? What happened to William? Well, William, drafted by the Texas Rangers. I did a little research. Did you know that only, and he didn't go to college. Did you know that only .5% of baseball players who don't go to college get drafted? You're looking at .5% of baseball players right here. He was good. Real good. And by all. And some of you I think, "Wow, 0.5 percent, hallelujah! That was the win." Mm, come on, win. 0.5 percent, come on, win. Oh yeah, that's sometimes. No, 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 no. It wasn't the win. It got him into the majors. It was the win. It got him out. Because he'll tell you. He wasn't in the right mind. You give a how old are you? 17, 18. You give a 17 year old that kind of money. They don't know what to do with themselves. One day, his arm went out. And before you say, oh, man, that's uh, so bad for him. Before you say all that, he'll tell you right now is the best thing that ever happened to him. Because through that, he met a young woman named Liz. Is she here? She's with the kids serving in our journey kids. And through Liz, and through Liz, he met Jesus. And he's here today serving on our church, one of our strong leaders with us from the beginning. God saved his life. Now, now here's, here's why I needed to save him for last. Here's why I needed to save you for last. Um, because I wanted you to realize that the same wind that got Ariel out of bankruptcy is the same wind that put William into bankruptcy. Because when you miss, every miss makes a mess. Now, listen to this. Although the wind is always good, the wind is not always pleasant. I don't want you to think so loud. We'll give it up for William. I don't want you to think... I don't want to create, listen, I don't want to create a false theology in your mind. I don't want you to think, oh, that's great. So I got the wind? Well, in that case, I'm going to just jump off this building and let the wind count. Oh, (laughs) whoa. thank God for the wind. The devil tried that with Jesus one time. The devil looked at Jesus. He said, hey, if you really are the son of God, jump off this building and let the angels catch you. And he said, I don't want the Jesus said, I don't want the wind. I don't want, hey, I'm glad. Where's that leaf blower at? Hey, I'm glad. I'm glad that we got this, and I'm glad that this thing saves us. But, but any, any volunteers, any volunteers, I could just blast this in your face for 10 minutes. Anybody? No. Because the wind, although it's always good, it's not always pleasant. And I want you to know, don't go the hard way. Don't choose the hard route. Try and follow God. But, you know, sometimes the mess is necessary because sometimes it takes a mess to get our attention. At least it did for Jonah. Here's what it says, Jonah, chapter 1. It takes a a mess sometimes to catch our attention. Chapter 1, verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid. Each cried out to his God, and they hurled cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he'll save us so that we won't perish. I cannot understand for the life of me what the heck this guy was doing sleeping. How are you sleeping? And, and then it hit me. Maybe he thought, like a lot of us, sleep would make it better. Anybody get in a bad situation and you're like, I need to sleep this off? OK, there are some things you can sleep off and some things you can't. Neck pain, you can sleep that off. Okay, uh, a, a, a headache, you can sleep that off. Marital issues. <laughs> You try and sleep that off, and before you laugh, I'm only saying it because I can't tell you how many couples I've counseled that they were like, you know what, we were fighting, and we were arguing, and we just looked at each other, and we were like, you know what, we just gonna sleep this off, just sleep this off. No, that's not how it works. Sleep is soil. Whatever you plant in the ground before you go to bed will wake up a plant when you wake up. Did you get that? And so, 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 and so you can't go to bed angry at your wife. And wake up in love with your wife. <laughs> it just do not work like, it. I don't like you. right now. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you know what, I'm going to sleep. I just want you to say, I love you. And I don't care that you crashed my car into the tree. You're awesome. and I just needed some sleep. No, don't go to sleep. You got some issues you need to work out. And I think God is looking at Jonah the same way. You're sleeping? You think you're going to be able to work this off in your sleep? We got some issues we need to work out. That's why the mess is there, so you can work out some issues. You know, my wife has found a new way to get me to pick up my clothes. I have a bad habit. Husbands, don't leave me alone here. If in, and I know it might get you in trouble, but if, if you have a habit sometimes of leaving your clothes on the floor, can I get a, an amen or a wink or something? Or, thank you, thank you. See, women, it's in our DNA. We just can't help it, all right? it's just, God's helping us. He's working with us. My wife has found a way to get me to pick up my clothes. I'm um, sorry, men. I'm going to share this with you, women, right now, and it's going to ruin your life. But it's actually very annoying. But it's quite genius. She takes the clothes that I left on the floor, and she puts them in my sink. Not in the hamper. In the si- my sink. Well, he got two sinks. It don't go in her sink. My sink. So when I go to brush my teeth in the morning, I can't. Until I put away my clothes. (laughs) And, and, And at first I was like, how dare you? Trick me like this. But then I realized, she said, the problem is, Jay, you keep missing it. And so because you keep missing it, I'm going to show you your mess so hopefully you get the message. What if there's a message in your mess? What if there's a message in your mess? What if the reason why you're in debt is because God's trying to tell you, how about live on less? What if the reason you got back pain is because God's like, maybe hit the gym? What if the reason why you haven't been able to get a Tarshish all those years is because you're really supposed to go to Nineveh? Stop complaining about the mess. The mess is the mess. We made it. And let's, get, let's change our mind. Let's clean up the mess. Let's pick it up. And then maybe then God can do what God wants to do in our lives. If we change our position, if we change our question from how did this mess get here. Because isn't that the funniest thing? How did this mess get here? I tell you one of the most frustrating things about being a parent is when I tell my kids to pick up the mess that they messed up, that they made, and they don't even know how the mess got there. I'm like, Justice, pick up your toys. And he looks at it like he, he was freaking teleported to the place. Like if, like if it came out of nowhere, like if the devil put the toys on the floor. And he's around like, Who, who made this mess? And I'm like, Bro. And I, because I, I get real just, I get, you know, I get ghetto with my kids when they, when the English doesn't work. I'm like, Son. Bro, you, human, you made this mess. And then they start to cry, which I don't feel bad anymore about. They start to cry. And then they say this, I can't. To my response is, what do you mean I can't? Which, have you ever noticed that a kid's, a kid's response to doing something he never wants to do is always, I can't? I wonder if there's things in your life that you're telling God you can't do, but it's not really that you can't do it, it's that you won't do it. And so, so, the, so the kid says, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then he says this. 99 out of 99 times. Okay. But can you help me? Always. But can you help me? I'm a good parent, y'all. I just want the mess to get cleaned up. So I tell them straight up. No! It's not my mess. And then I get all spiritual on them. I got to shut off the pastor mode sometimes. I'll be like, I'm not going to be there to clean up your messes in college. I'm not going to be there to clean up your messes when, you know, when the devil comes around. Because the Bible says. (laughs) You got to learn to clean up your own mess. But can you help me? How many people are grateful that, 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 that God doesn't parent us like we parent our children? You know what the cool thing about God is? Is that he was prepared for your mess. And in fact, if you ask him, he will help you clean it up. That's how awesome God is. Look what the Bible says in Jonah, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Leave that up there. Had prepared. Ahead of time. I need you to catch this. Jonah, the, the fish was in the water before Jonah ever was. The fish was prepared. Ahead of time for the mess that God knew Jonah would make, I'm so grateful that my mistakes don't catch God off guard. When I do something, I want you to know. When you do something, and when we're all in there, we make a bad choice, a bad decision. When we yell at our wife, when we maybe spank our kids a little too hard, we shouldn't have. When we make that bad investment, when we get with that person and knew it was the wrong person, God's not up in heaven thinking like, "Whoa, wasn't ready for that." Snap for real. Wow. Oh, sorry blood of Jesus can do a lot of things, but not that. I wasn't ready for that. Uh Uh-uh. I'm so grateful that God prepared that fish ahead of time. Now, you got to catch this. You got to catch this. Remember I said we read the story so fast we missed the details? Come on, catch this. He prepared the fish, and the fish was right there when Jonah fell overboard. What does that mean? That means the fish was following the boat from Joppa all the way. To The boat turned left, the fish turned left. The boat turned right, the fish turned right. Just waiting, just waiting, just waiting. Just waiting, just waiting. Every, Every step away from Nineveh was a step away from Jonah's calling. Every step away from Nineveh was a step away from Jonah's promise. Every step away from Nineveh was a step away from from Jonah's purpose. Every step away from Nineveh was a a step away from Jonah's destiny. But no matter how many steps he took away from his calling, he was always never just one step away from God. What? You mean... As I became miles away from the thing that God created me to do, miles away from the thing that I was born for, I was still only feet away from the God who followed me the whole time. I don't know if you know this, y'all, but God is a stalker. A stalker. You need to read this, Psalms chapter 139, verse 7-12. And I'm going to read it with like some passion, all right? And if you want to read it with me with passion, you can read it with me. It's just a powerful verse. Psalms 139, verse 7-12. Listen to this. Where can I go from your spirit? By the way, the same Hebrew word for spirit is guess what? Wind. Where can I go from your wind? Where can I go from your breath? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become not around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. You're there, you're there, you're there. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You can run away from God, but you can't outrun God. You can run away from the reason why you were born but you can't outrun the reason why you were born. You can run away from your purpose but you can't outrun your purpose. You can run away from your destiny but you can't outrun your destiny. You can run away from your calling but you can't outrun your calling. You can run away from joy but you can't outrun your joy. You can run away from your life but you won't be able to outrun your life. It's coming. Every good thing, every promise thing, every, every destined thing is coming over you. No matter what choice you make, God is right there waiting for you. If you're just willing to do your part, God will do his part. If you're just willing, God's up there saying, hey, I'm ready. I got the whale ready, man. But are you ready? The whale came, saved Jonah. He should have died. And I don't have the whole passage up there because I don't want to read it. But he's 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 blowing in the water. In Jonah chapter 3, he's he's praying. He says, I was in the water and the waves took me. And the waves took me. And in the waves I cried out to you. And the whale came. And inside the whale, I, I got in there and I prayed. And this is what he prayed, from inside the whale. So God had done his part. God sent the fish. God saved him from being destroyed. If you're here today, God saved you from being destroyed. Now he's waiting for you to do your part. From the inside of the whale, he says, one of the most powerful lines of prayer ever. This is it. Ready? He goes... What I said I would do, I'll do. What I promised to do, I'll do. I'll do my part. And the moment he says that, the fish spits him up on dry ground. And here is one of the most powerful passages of all of Scripture. I bet you never heard this before. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Everybody knows John 3, 16. Everybody knows, you know. God so loved the world. Are you ready for a verse that will absolutely rock your life no matter how many opportunities you've missed? No matter how many bad turns you've made. No matter how many bad relationships you've gotten into. No matter how many bad jobs you've taken. No matter how many friends abandoned you. Are you ready for the verse that will change your life? Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. We serve a second time God. Oh, and not just a second time but a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time and a sixth time and a seventh time and an eighth time and a ninth time and a tenth time and an eleventh time every step we take away from God he's right there following us and when you're ready I'll give the word again When you're ready, I'll give the word again. I'm not going to give up on your future. It's beautiful. I built it. I'm not going to give up on your destiny. It's beautiful. I built it. I'm not going to give up on your calling. It's beautiful. I built it. I'm not going to give up on that family. They're waiting for you. They're beautiful. I built it. But I'm just waiting for you to tell me that you're willing to do the thing that I've asked you to do. And when you're ready, I'll give the word a second time. A second time. A second time. Here's the Sermon in the sins. If you're willing to clean up the mess, your miss is no match for God's mission. If you're willing to clean up the mess, your miss is no match for God's mission. Look at verse 3. Go back. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. He got there, y'all. He got there. Look at me. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. You're going to get there. Did you hear me? You're going to get there. Look at me in the back. You're going to get there. With the babo... supposed to head to an airplane flight to Springfield, Missouri. It was a networking event. I was working at the University of Southeastern, and I was there to, uh, I was there to build relationships. We were trying to start a, a Bible school in Puerto Rico because I was the only Puerto Rican on staff. <coughs> they sent to Puerto Rican to go build a relationship, and so, and so I'm, I'm waiting to get to Springfield. That's the mission. The mission is get to Springfield find the president of the Bible Institute in Puerto Rico and start a Bible school in Puerto Rico. That was the mission, not my mission. Now, you got to fill in the blank, whatever your mission is. You know what it is. So I get there, and it was a connecting flight. We left Orlando. We landed in Dallas. Dallas was supposed to go to Springfield. I go to Dallas. There's a problem with the flight. Flight gets canceled. Everybody runs over to the next flight to get in, but I'm, I don't fly with American. I fly with Southwest, and so... I say that to say, like, I'm really low on the standby list, you know. Like, if you fly with them a lot, you get, like, priority. So I'm with all these people, and and everybody's going on ahead of me. They're like, we got one more space, boom, we got one more space, boom, one more space. I'm like, please, God, I need to get to Missouri. I got a mission. And finally, I'm next, and there's no more space on the plane. And it's me and this one old lady. Uh, She's scared. She had never missed a flight in her life before. And so the hotel... Airline people say, "Hey, don't worry about it. We'll pay for your hotel. Just stay here, and uh, and and uh, you come back in the morning and get your flight." Well, I see this poor old lady, who uh, what has never has no idea how to book the hotel, has no idea how to get to the hotel. She's pushing 70. She's about to sleep in the air, in the airport. Airline. So I'm like, "Ma'am, come with me." We get her. I get. I order the cab. I pay for the cab. We get to the hotel. I check her in. I tell her, "Be down here at this time. I'll get the, the shuttle. We'll go to the plane." We get in the plane. We finally get to. When I get there, I'm looking for this Bible principal lady. And I'm walking around and, and I can't find her. Finally, someone taps me on the back and says, Hey, I said, Hi. She said, Hi, I'm the principal for the Bible Institute in Puerto Rico. I said, Oh, man, you would not have any idea. And before I could even say anything, she said, Before you say anything, I just want to say thank you. What? She said, You got my mom here. Thank you so much for getting my mom here because she would have been afraid. She would have been terrified. And, and, and I heard, by the way, you wanted to start something in Puerto Rico. I was like, yes, and you're welcome. <laughs> Pulled a little Chick-fil-A out here. My pleasure. Uh, let's talk about them fries. You know, like, would you stand with me? Here's my point. Here's my point. The miss was not greater than the mission. And in the end, the mission was greater than the miss. But here's the part I really need you to hold in. God actually used my mess and used my miss to take the mission to a level it could have never gone any other way. I thought it would kill me. I thought it would end my story. But it took the story to a level higher than it could have ever gone. I don't want you to, it's not just that there's a message in your miss, there's a purpose in your miss. God's gonna use the miss. So the toe got maybe a little delayed. So maybe you gotta wait a little longer. So maybe it got a little harder. Let me tell you something. That layover has got a purpose. It's gonna take you higher, it's gonna take you further, it's gonna take you faster, it's gonna make you stronger, it's gonna make you better, it's gonna give you life like I could have never had done before. I got a miss and I got a mess.
0: Glory Jesus Christ, because I also have a mission. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.